We're joined by Rishi, Sharanya, and Devasini, some of the incredible talents behind Madeira Productions' upcoming program, Iksha, debuting on March 11th at the Brian Brown Theatre in Sydney. Congrats on the show, guys. Thank you. To start, can you tell us a little bit about the production company? Yeah, for sure. So essentially, Madeira was created to provide a creative platform for anyone in the South Asian community. And also, most importantly as well, the idea is to nurture creativity as well. Madeira is basically meant to serve as a tool to help ideas in the creative space become more than just ideas and turn them into productions, shows, and also short films down the line as well. My hope is by starting this production house is that it will inspire others to participate but also to contribute to the rich and vibrant creative space that we have as a South Asian arts community and to sort of foster both the new and classical arts as well, making sure that we are still connected with our roots, but also venturing into new spaces as an artistic community as well. And essentially that is Iksha for us. That's amazing. I love that. You summarize that so well as well. I think that's such a beautiful mission for it. Um, can you give us a bit more background into Iksha itself? So Iksha is our attempt to present a dance production which um, centralizes around reimagining five characters from um, the Hindu scriptures. So Iksha itself means to see or like a perspective. So over the years of learning Bharatanatyam, we have been passed down with many traditional pieces about various concepts and characters derived from the scriptures, which we're very immensely grateful for. But through Iksha, we wanted to relate the concepts and characters of the scriptures to a contemporary audience and the issues that we face in today's day and age. So there were many instances where we had many questions arise in our heads when we heard some of the stories. So most of the explanation is usually related to the period it was written in, but we wanted to explore how it could be related to us now. So it's not an attempt to rewrite history or disregard the teachings, but just our attempt to see things from a different perspective, hence the name Iksha. <laughs> yeah, that's cool because when we think about how these stories are usually told in diaspora communities, sometimes it can be very rigid. Mm. So it's interesting to hear about how you're going to explore them through a different sort of lens. You mentioned that there are five figures that you explore in the show. Who are the five characters and how did you go about deciding that these characters' stories in particular needed to be told? So with in terms of just picking the five characters itself, I think as Viva mentioned earlier as well, it was something that kind of just happened over conversation where, you know, we look at all these characters and mainly in the Tamil literatures, they're so complex. And when we start off with something as well, we know that it's just got so many different characters and it's very complicated that it's very hard for us to kind of like stay focused with all of that. But when we started talking, we realized that there's so many little characters that play such a significant role and there's so much research and there's so much that we can learn about them. And that's kind of where it started, where we both started looking into characters that played a huge role, but weren't really spoken about as much or weren't exposed to us now in this day and age. So that's when we thought, okay, how can we do this in a way that'll make people understand the characters better and learn more about our literature? And then we thought, okay, it should be something that kind of correlates with the contemporary values and social issues that we kind of go about today. Um, so yeah, so each of the five different characters focus on a different issue that we kind of like all really relate to 
and a little bit about our culture as well that we learn off it. So the first one is Ahalia or Ahalihe. With her story, the main thing that we kind of went with was that we wanted to look at how she was given one type of redemption or she was given one type of justice and Sita, who we also see in the Ramayana, was given a different type of justice. So we're just comparing the two and we're looking at how we can sort of like compare one's decision based on another and who sees what's right and wrong within society. And we're focusing on that. Then we go into Anda, who is a lovable character that people know. And she's like someone that's, you know, known as like one that follows or yearns for the Lord and wants, you know, she wants to reach the passion point with Lord. And that's her main focus in her life. Now, what we do is we're focusing on the sacred side of things versus the sensual side of things. So it's kind of like showing that there's no separation between the two and that the body and the spirit are kind of like not treated as different and they're both one. And then Shikandi, which you guys know, is a very, you know, different character that not many people know about from the Mahabharata. She is a character who's known as a transgender. We focus on kind of like not having to put her in a box or, you know, specifying what gender she is and kind of focusing on the masculine side and the feminine characteristics that she has and how she kind of just accepts those characteristics as opposed to labeling herself as one identity. And then we have Surpanage, who is also like an evil character that we know in the Ramayana, but like in terms of what we're focusing on is like body image and self-judgment and kind of the confidence that's beaten over her when she goes through looking at herself, feeling so arrogantly confident about how she is, but then how that's changed or the way that she perceives herself is altered because of another person telling her how she looks so that's something that we kind of relate to now is just like society and how they look and then we're just like questioning our own self-judgment based on that and the last one is Draupadi with Draupadi I think it's a very famous story that people know that she got assaulted in front of a whole conference room and all that now with that one we just wanted to focus more on just like the the point where I guess we can say PTSD now for us and like how she would have recovered from going through sexual assault and just the mental process of getting past it and coming out of it again. And we kind of skip over in the Mahabharata. So we're reimagining how that story would have been if we were to really look into detail as to how she would have gone past it and her emotions behind it. But yeah, that's basically the five characters. Honestly, hearing you share that has got me so excited to watch the show. I know. Because, you know, there's so many stories that were told as kids, right? But were often taught them in a black or white or, you know, good over evil sort of way. Where we don't fully appreciate the depth behind them. Um, In an episode we did previously about our culture's relationship with queer identities, we spoke with a guest of ours about characters in ancient texts like the Mahabharata that acknowledge and celebrate queer and non-binary experiences and how those values have been twisted over time. And one of the figures we actually spoke about in that episode was Shikandi, who you just mentioned. Now, Shikandi isn't a character people often think of first when they're talking about the Mahabharata, but her narrative unpacks some really interesting and powerful themes. I'm curious, what's the experience been like for you to do that deeper research of these lesser platform characters that maybe helped form a new appreciation for you that you might not have seen in the story when you were first learning about it as a child? 
I think for me personally, it's the fact that we're open to so many different things in this day and age, right? So when we are retold these stories or we have the opportunity to kind of research it on our own, we actually learn a lot more in detail about each of these characters and the thought process that they would have possibly gone through, which is something that you wouldn't have had when you were learning it as a you know, a child or like when you were told about all these stories. And that's what makes us like, you know, want to bring this immersive experience for the audience itself as well. We want to make sure that they take out the fact that this is something that educates you about our culture and makes you understand that these are values and contemporary issues that we look at here, which is something that was also taken upon back then as well. Mm. I actually wanted to expand on what um, Sandin was saying, but like, when we were kids and we were listening to all these stories, it was a black or white, like, Shurpanega is evil, this person's good. Like, that's how it was. And I guess this experience and doing this production, we started to question, and I think that's not a bad thing. Like, we should be questioning so we can find our truth and what yeah, can sure. relate to yeah. us. So yeah. for me, that was what I got out of this production. Like, um, when we did our research with all these five characters, there's so much more that, you know, we don't learn as kids and we don't look into. It's very superficial stories and teachings that we know right now. So going into details and artistically bringing this out through dance has been great. <laughs> yeah, because I think, as you guys were saying through all of your research, a lot of these stories and characters are relatable even now, right? Yeah. And that's what I love that you guys are doing with this production because you're bringing it to a modern context where maybe some people in the audience have never thought about how these characters and these stories are still relatable today. But bringing yeah. it out now, I think, is so important to re-educate because it was always so literal. Like the stories were always very literally taught to us. It was like this happened and this happened, but the deeper meanings and how that can actually relate to our life was not really taught. Um, so I really love that you guys are kind of bringing that back now and kind of educating the audience on that too. But as individuals, what does traditional dance mean to you guys? Because you were talking before about as Bharatanatyam dancers, you learn one way and you kind of are taught it in a particular way but being able to use that same dance form now to kind of tell this story I think is so powerful so what does it actually mean to you guys? Well my relationship with traditional dance in particular Bharatanatyam has actually changed over the years so as a child it taught me discipline and perseverance like as a disciple of this art form it takes years to unfold it I mean I still have so much to learn and being raised in Australia, like, it was difficult to keep connected to my roots and culture. So uh, when I was a teenager, it was where I learned most about my culture and religion. So it was a very strong part of my identity. But now as an adult, like, especially living in this, like, fast-paced and chaotic world, I look at it as a form of meditation, like a spiritual quest. So that's where I'm at right now, and that's what dance means to me. Yeah, I mean, for me, I think... With dance, like Viva said, it's kind of just like been a whole journey on its own because when you're first put into it, it's kind of forced out of you and you're told to learn this art form because your parents have asked you and it's just something that's, you know, travelled upon the generations. So when it's that, you kind of just do it for the sake of it. But then when you kind of really realise what it is, you really start learning more about the culture and beyond that, the traditions that these guys would have taken for so long just to save us and keep with us and it's now become a responsibility of ours to carry that on for the next generations and such so 
yeah, for by the time I feel like now at this age, while I'm learning so much, it's also a responsibility that I hold on to to teach and educate more people about everything from learning our cultural, you know, different stories and all that. It's such an immersive, creative way to show that. And I love that, you know, we got the chance to learn that. So, yeah, that's what dance is. That's beautiful because so many people learn a traditional art form in diaspora communities to tick a box, you know, rather than the millions of other beautiful things that come from learning such a rich, ancient art form. And, you know, that can push people away from it, right? And not reap those rewards. So it's wonderful to hear about how you're able to connect to it in that way and feel that responsibility to be a vessel and be able to understand the depth in everything that comes from those learnings and pass it on through productions like this. I mean, like you really genuinely see and feel the passion you all have for your art throughout this conversation. What are each of your roles in the program? Yeah, so I essentially am the producer. I sort of found and Sharani and Devasani are our creative directors. So we... um did the concepts together but in terms of choreography we did have a collaborative approach with our dancers we have three other dancers with us so we have Sharanga, Anita and Jess so when we choreograph our pieces we do have a collaborative approach so yeah. Sorry just to add on to that as well when we say collaboration we also collaborate with our musicians as well so we're also learning heaps about this because we have our musicians with us who help us with our music and creating all the compositions for us. It's been such a unity for all of us to kind of be together and work on it. Yeah, we've just given them the source, I guess, of what we want and the concept. And it's been a huge team that has worked on to bring it to life, mm. I guess, yeah. Yeah, it must be so cool to start to see it unfold. Like you guys would have yeah. come up with the concept on paper and then to actually see it take place oh, would yeah. be so beautiful to see. What are you guys hoping that the audience actually takes away after watching Iksha? I think the main thing for us is, I think which has been sort of the recurring theme this conversation is collaboration. I feel like our community, our, especially our artistic community in Sydney, there's so much talent. There's so many prolific artists individually like if we do collaborate together, the result will be quite sensational. And it will also put Sydney, South Asian artistic community sort of on the map. Because I feel like places like Canada and London, US, there's like so much talent and like they all move up so easily, right? And I think collaboration will definitely put us on the map as well in the future. And diversity and Sharon, especially the dancers and musicians, these guys are sort of ambassadors for the future as well. And yeah. That's incredible, guys. We'll put all of the details to your Instagram as well as where people can buy tickets in our show notes. And everyone who's listening, please do go watch the show. It sounds incredible and we're super excited to catch it. Like Senden said, you can really see the passion and all of the work that the three of you have put together. Senden and I really became friends because at uni we put together a production many moons ago and we know the blood, sweat and tears that it takes to put <laughs> something together. I think we still have like a little bit of PTSD. So, um, <laughs> so no really well done and we're super excited to catch it thank you so thank much you. for having us honestly thank you for the opportunity like this definitely is something new for us but we really did enjoy the chance to you know get to speak about this like any platform where we can talk about this it's great so thank you for that our pleasure thanks so much all the best guys thank you